Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, Almighty God, for a chance to be in your house and to worship you. Thank you for coming to meet with us. We open our hearts and our lives to you. And we look forward to seeing you in in a new way as we open our lives to you. Lord, uh, we're going to spend some time in a minute around your table. And we really want to meet you there. Um, Help us to be aware of your presence in worship this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your love. We gather in your name and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 25. You ever ever pray and feel like those prayers aren't being heard? Uh, You you ever have that experience where you you pray something really important and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and and it just never seems to happen and you're like, uh, you know, God, I don't get it. And you you don't necessarily feel, I mean, a lot of people say, well, see, God is saying no, and you're like, I'm not sure he's really saying no, but he's not saying yes, and it seems like he's just not saying anything. Well, that's kind of what happened to a guy named Zachariah. You see, his wife Elizabeth um, did not have a child, and they desperately wanted a child, um, and God was not answering that prayer, and he didn't get it uh, But, you know, after a while, you just kind of keep going on. And so many years later, uh, in verse 5, we read, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. 
When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of God's most holy word. For this opportunity to be in your house, to spend some time with you, to share together around your word and to listen for your voice, to sing your praises and to share our concerns and our needs. But Lord Jesus, we're really here to meet with you. So we wait for you, we listen for you. We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak to us as individuals. Speak to us as a body of believers that we might truly be all that you have called us to be. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. I pray, Lord, that you would receive all the praise and the glory for what we do and what we say, not just here this morning, but throughout the week, throughout the month, until we sit around your table again. Fill us with your spirit, that we might be your hands and feet, that we might be ready for you to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, this Advent season, we've been talking about breaking the silence. And last week, we, we, begin, we began to talk about how God had been silent for those 400 years. And when he spoke, he spoke such a powerful word. It was the word of his presence, Emmanuel, God with us. You remember that? He spoke, and how that gives us hope. Because if God is for us, uh, then we have the ability to stand and to move and to advance with his love and with his grace in such a powerful way. Um, when we approach this world that is so broken, we approach with confidence and with grace because we know that there's hope in Jesus Christ, that Jesus has come to make a difference in our lives and in our world. And it's a powerful word, isn't it? And I hope that you are able to speak hope. I hope that you speak hope uh, to those uh, who are in your area in your family in your neighborhood that your neighbors would know that there is hope in Jesus Christ oh our world desperately needs that hope but when Jesus spoke this word he he spoke an even more not in more he spoke the most powerful word he could speak and it wasn't just a word of hope now I don't know about you but the times in my prayer life when I'm not feeling or hearing or experiencing answers are very difficult times for me. I feel like God has gone silent. Like for some reason God has, and of course when God goes silent, then all those questions start to come, right? And I wonder for Zachariah and for Elizabeth, um, if one of the reasons why they had lived so blamelessly and, and had tried to follow the law so flawlessly was because somehow they thought perhaps God wasn't answering their prayer because of something that they were doing that wasn't quite right. Have you ever done that? 
you know, oh, I, I must be goofing up somehow because God's not answering my prayer. So somehow I've got to do something to, to let God know that I, I really want to do what's right. I, I want, you know, and there are religions like that, right? That say, well, if you follow the laws, then God will do what you ask. Um, but, but the truth of the matter is, that's not how it works in Christianity. That's not how it works in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus loves you. And you know that because the Bible tells me so, right? That's an incredible song to teach our children and to remember the older we get. Jesus loves us. And God wants to answer our prayers. That, that's not the problem here, folks. And if you are following Christ, then your desire to do what's right is not so he'll answer your prayer but because you want to please him because he's your heavenly father. And you do anything you can to, to please him, just like a little child will do anything they can uh, to please an adult. It, even in school, you know, the little kids, when they're, at least when they're small enough, uh, they, they come in and, and they just want to please. And if, all you have to do is say, wow, that looks great. So they come in with that, that piece of paper with scribble all over it. And you say, this is the stupidest looking thing I ever... No. You say, wow, this is beautiful. And the kid just beams. Do you understand? That's how God is with us. Whenever we serve him, whenever we do it right, God's over there saying, yeah, that's my kid. Whenever we do it wrong, he's over there saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's try again. But he's not up there waiting to zap us if we do something wrong. He's not up there waiting to, to go after us and, and hope that we do something wrong so he can really show his wrath. There are, there, are, there are religions that believe that. But that's not what it's like when you have a relationship with God. You see, the answer didn't come, and it wasn't because uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were being bad. They were doing all that they could, and God certainly heard their prayer. It wasn't that God couldn't hear or that God didn't want to hear. The reason why their prayer wasn't answered was because their prayer was to be answered at exactly the right time. You see, God has this incredible plan, and this incredible plan means that exactly the right time, things are going to happen. So Zachariah and Elizabeth are praying for this child, and here they are, well along in years, whatever that means. I love the way the Scripture says that. Whatever that means, that's where they're at. And here in the midst of that, God is going to do something incredible, something miraculous that will answer Zachariah's prayer. But because God hadn't answered for so long, my guess is Zachariah's faith was challenged. Zechariah was not sure if God heard or if God was going to answer or, or what was going to happen. He, my guess is he had asked the why question so long that even that question had begun to fade away. And he was just simply doing what he felt God called him to do. And there he is as a priest, and all of a sudden the angel appears and says, Guess what, Zechariah? God heard your prayer. It's time. And Zechariah's response is, Are you nuts? No, I'm paraphrasing here. But, 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 but he can't believe it. It seems impossible. All of a sudden, God is speaking in his life again, and he has a hard time believing it. God is answering his prayers, and, and it just doesn't seem to connect. How can this be? And he's thinking of all the reasons why it can't be. How many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, how many of you are like that? 
I have this horrible problem. When someone comes up with an idea, the first thing that comes to mind are the 600 reasons why that idea won't work, which is horrible. That's, that's not where you want to be. I mean, there, seems, there needs to be a realism there. And so I, I always have to stop and check myself and say, well, what are the 600 reasons why it'll work first? And then we'll deal with the reasons why it doesn't work. Zachariah immediately comes up with all the reasons why it won't work. And the truth of the matter is it will work because it's God's plan. And the neat thing is, just an aside, we don't have a whole lot of time this morning, but I do want to say this. When you're praying, if you're praying, seeking God's will, and of course, the closer we get to Jesus, the better we understand God's will. But the more we pray in God's will, guess what? The more our prayers are answered. That makes sense, doesn't it? When we start to understand what God is doing in our lives and in those around us, when we begin to look for those places where we see God at work and we jump in on those places and we begin to pray in those directions, all of a sudden our prayer life becomes very dynamic because Jesus is answering those prayers over and over again. Why? Because, hey, that's simply what he was doing anyway. And it gets exciting to see God at work. I hope you're excited this Christmas. Because God is doing new and awesome things. And he wants to do them in your life, just as he did in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Guess what? They're going to have a baby. Aw. That's exciting, isn't it? Isn't it exciting when there's a new baby? I, I love it when we have a new baby in church. Uh, some people I know that babies sometimes make noise. That's all right with me. Because I love, ba- babies are exciting. They're so full of, of hope and, and they're, they're this little bundle of joy. As long as I don't have to get up in the middle of the night and do diapers, I love babies. Babies, are, babies bring an incredible amount of joy into people's lives. And uh, let me just say this. Those who have adopted children... They understand what a joy it is to have that child come. Uh, This last week was National Adoption Day. Did did anybody see that? Um, And the news played a bunch of different uh, families in front of the judge. And all of a sudden, these babies, these young children, sometimes older children even, and, and all of a sudden, they're a family. Now, they'd lived with them for a long time, but now it's it's written down and there's this excitement and this joy you all don't look too excited this morning i I just want to say there there's an excitement and a joy when a baby is born it gets so incredible and and i can't imagine what uh elizabeth uh, i mean all these years and now the answer has come and, and the child is there and all the excitement and the joy and the scripture says that that the angel said to zachariah that john the baptist that would be zachariah's and elizabeth's boy john the baptist was going to be a joy and a delight isn't that exciting a joy and a delight, this idea that birth brings a celebration and just so much happiness into a family's life and, and, and to the extended family as well. It's so exciting when you have a child, a baby. Look at this child. You still don't look excited. Some of you know that they grow up. I can tell. 
But the, but the angel also said that, that this child would be a joy to many, that many would rejoice because of his birth, that there would be a rejoicing at this baby coming into their lives. Now, it's interesting to me that this child was going to be a joy, not because of anything crazy that this child did on behalf or because of some external substance. Did you get that? Uh, He was not just drink wine or any other fermented drink because his joy was not going to be a joy that came from the outside. It was going to be a joy that came from the inside. And one of the sad things about Christmas is there are a lot of people trying to experience joy from the outside. And they, so they, they spend their lives trying to, to get the right gift, or, or they spend their lives trying to uh, experience the right relationship, or they spend their lives trying to drink it off. And, and so they're, they're going to have a lot of fun this Christmas. <laughs> I remember when I was in college, this, this blew me away. You have to understand, I I grew up in a home where there was no alcohol, okay? And so uh, I didn't know much about drinking except, I mean, my buddies in high school would go off drinking, but I didn't, I didn't really get into that scene. I get to college, and I, I would go to church on Sunday morning, which was unlike 90% of the rest of the, the college. And, and if I was lucky, I could get back to school in time for the brunch, which went till 12.15, so church went till noon. If I was lucky, I could get there to eat so that I'd have a meal that I'd already paid for, which they had right in the middle of worship time for 90% of those who would go to worship. So one, one day I got there just in time, and I got my hot dog. And I, I sat down there, and we're sharing together, and these guys are sitting next to me. And I was trying not to listen, but they were going, man, I had so much fun last night. And the other guy said, really? Why? Man, I, I got so plastered. Really? What'd you do? I don't remember. And I thought, how do you know you had a good time? I wanted to go over there and say, can you explain to me how you know you had a good time if you don't remember what you did? Maybe you didn't have a good time. What we're discovering now is that a lot of those young people are not having a good time and things are happening that should never happen. And sometimes because the hope is that that external thing will bring them joy. And the sad part is it does not bring you joy. It may make you feel better temporarily, but those of you who know anything about alcohol know that alcohol is actually a depressant. Isn't that amazing? I I always stop and think this through. You know, uh, alcohol is actually a depressant, and somehow our world has made it that something that will make you feel good. And of course, it does for the moment. But too much of it will destroy your life. And so many people trying to find joy in alcohol or in external substances, somehow trying to be happy. And the sad part is, Jesus came so that you could have real joy. A joy that never goes away. A joy that's not based on what's happening around you, but a joy that's deep within you. A joy because you know you are loved. A joy because you know that there is new life, things going to happen, that things are going to change. A joy because you have hope. A joy because Jesus is at work in your life. And it's an incredible experience to have that kind of joy all the time. That doesn't mean you're always happy. That means you always have joy. It's like when that child is born. That child may bring all kinds of difficulties into your life. There may be economic difficulties. There will definitely be relational difficulties. 
there would be all kinds of difficulties because of this child. But when that child is born, all those who are there say, Oh, look, a baby. What a miracle. And there's excitement in that moment. There's joy in that moment because a child is born. And when you accept Jesus into your life, there should be this this exhilarating moment where you are just so filled with joy that as you begin to go through life, there's this incredible ability to, to, um, to confront the waves that come your way because you can go back. Why is it people like to come to Christmas Eve service? I know people who, who don't hardly believe in Jesus. They want to come to Christmas Eve service. And they, you know what they like the best? The candlelight service. When we sing Silent Night. You've got to sing Silent Night. I know that. We'll sing Silent Night this year, okay? You've got to sing Silent Night. Holy Night. Because the child is born. And you see that child has brought us joy. Nehemiah said this, and I I love this passage. I don't know if you remember uh, this whole story, and we're way over time. I don't have time to tell you, but it's kind of cool because the people had been crying and upset because they'd heard God's word and were challenged. And Nehemiah said, hey, 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 no, no, no. That's not what a relationship with God's all about. He said, God wants you to hear those things so that you can have the best relationships you can have. We'll talk about that in the morning in a minute. But, but he says, don't grieve. Go home and celebrate. And of course, you know, Baptists, you know, you got to enjoy some good food and sweet drink and, and all that good stuff. And then he says this, for the joy of the Lord is your what? Your strength. Yes. When the hard times hit, go back to the manger. Remember the joy of that moment. You see, joy is an incredible thing. It pushes the troubles of the world beyond us, outside of us, so that we can experience again the love of God and the peace that Jesus offers. For you see, when Jesus came, he came to bring us joy. And that joy is the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes and we rejoice We can have peace. I want to say one more thing real quickly about that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be the happiest people on earth. We should be celebrating. As a matter of fact, Sunday morning is all about celebrating. If you came uh, for some other reason, I'm sorry. Um, But we come here to have fun and to celebrate because of what Christ has done for us. When we sit around the table, uh, it's in some ways a very sacred moment. And so it gets somewhat somber only because we remember the wonderful gift that Christ has given us. But it's also a celebration, isn't it? Uh, one thing our, our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church understand is that communion is a celebration. For, for God has shown his incredible love for us. And, and they celebrate communion. They don't call it communion, but same thing. We, we need to celebrate. People, be about celebrate. We should be a party people. Christmas is a party, folks. Don't lose sight of what Jesus has done and celebrate it. And celebrate it with your neighbors and with your friends. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to find a neighbor and share with them what Christmas is really all about because we live in a pagan world now and there are some people who don't even have a clue. One more thing real quickly. Did you notice on on the video this morning, our countdown video, by the way, that actually happened, World War II, 
I won, I'm sorry, thank you, World War I. Um, that actually happened on Christmas Day. Um, and what an incredible moment. When they, and did you see how much fun they had? When they got together and recognized who Christ is, that's what Christ can do in our world. There was peace, at least in that moment as they celebrated. Have you been celebrating your relationship with Jesus? And then finally, um, John came to restore things. Did you notice that? Uh, to, to share the restoration, to turn the people's hearts back to God. And that's an incredible thing. And, and that comes, of course, by turning, turning. That John the Baptist would say, repent. Okay, that's what repentance means. It means turning. And he's going to turn the hearts of God's people back to God. He's going to restore them. So God is in the process of restoring us as we open our hearts to him. So what Christmas is all about is God coming to show us what restoration is really going to look like. See, we look, at, we look like the, the vehicle on the right, and Jesus looks like the vehicle on the left. Is that right? Nope, sorry, I'm backwards. I'm sorry, the other way around. Okay. We look like the vehicle on the left. Jesus, well, at least you're finally laughing. Praise God. Jesus looks like the vehicle on the right. And when we accept Christ, he begins to transform us. He's be, when we decide to turn toward him, when we decide to turn toward him today, uh, you say, well, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. That's great. Have you been following or have you been walking a different way? It's time, John the Baptist said, to repent, to turn, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what's exciting to me about that is that the kingdom of God has already begun. When Jesus came, he established his kingdom. But it's going to come in its fullness when he returns. You understand, he's coming back, right? Will he find you following him? I hope so. I hope when he comes, you're, you're, you're right, your heart is turned toward him and that you're looking more and more like him every day. When he comes, he's going to make you look just like him. And I'm excited about that. Why? Because he was willing to die for you. You see, some people think that Jesus came to, to, to tell people how bad they are. But that's not why Jesus came. And what I find interesting is, uh, is there are some people that say, well, you should preach more about uh, uh, how horrible we are. I, I guess I don't, I don't feel I need to do that. Uh, most people I know know how horrible they are. What, what amazes me in our world is there are a lot of people trying to convince themselves that they're actually good, and they're spending so much time trying to convince themselves, it just seems to me it exacerbates the fact that they aren't any more than I am. The good news is that when God came, when God sent his son, he didn't come to tell us we were horrible. The scripture says, you, you remember John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, verse 17, I encourage you to memorize verse 17. Uh, verse 17 is one of my favorite. For God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that awesome? That's why Jesus came, to restore a relationship between us and God. And if we would open our hearts to him, that's exactly what he does. He restores that relationship. He begins to make us look towards God more and more and more until we become more and more like God. 
loving people, caring for people. And then we see our relationships being restored. You see, because John the Baptist, the angel said, will not just draw his people, God's people back to him, but he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I I just want to stop and look at that a minute because I believe that one of the things God does in our lives is he begins to restore our relationship with other people. You see, when you realize that he loved you so much that he forgave you, if he forgave you as ugly as you are in your sin, why then would you not be willing to forgive someone else? And, And I know why, because they certainly were a lot uglier in their sin than you were in yours. Really? My guess is that, that their sin and your sin are really just as ugly. And if God was willing to forgive you, what would happen if you would be willing to forgive them? Could there then be a restoration in our lives. You see, this is where peace really comes, isn't it? When we are willing to let go of the wrongs that have been done to us and really be willing to forgive, then there can be peace. Those guys who were in opposite bunkers, uh, by the way, after that day, they had to move them and replace them. Because, you see, once they had gotten up and played soccer and, or football um, with each other and had shared together, you see, they refused to fight each other. Isn't that interesting? All because Jesus stepped into that moment. You see, I believe that Jesus wants to do that in our lives. We live in turmoil all the time. Turmoil sometimes because of our relationship with God, but turmoil sometimes because of our relationship with each other. And what Jesus wants to do is bring peace. Peace into our lives. He wants to heal that brokenness within us. Allow us to be forgiven that our hearts would be turned toward each other as our hearts are turned toward God. Zechariah, poor Zechariah, now he had the greatest news of the world. For the world! Because his son was going to be born to prepare for the Messiah. Uh, the, The conquering king. He had the greatest news in the world. And he couldn't say it. Do you get it? Have you ever had a secret that you can't tell? And you just want to tell. You're cringing inside because, oh, if you could only tell it. The longer you get hold of them, the better they get. I don't know. Sometimes they get harder. And then Zechariah, on the day John is born, the scripture says they, want, they were beginning to name John a different name, a family name. And the first words that Zechariah says is, his name 
is John. Can you imagine? Zachariah must have talked to Elizabeth all night long. You won't believe what happened. I've been trying to tell you. You couldn't understand all my, you know, you ever play charades? You would be horrible at charades. I can hear him saying to Elizabeth, I'm never playing charades with you again. <laughs> but, but all excited about all the things he could say. He could finally speak peace. He could finally speak it. Um, you know, uh, when, when a woman is pregnant, um, Frequently, something happens at the home because, you see, the woman is beginning to think about what's going to happen with this child. And uh, so they begin what a lot of people call that nesting process. Have you ever heard of that? They begin to make preparations because they, they want to make sure everything's ready. For when the, the guy, most of the time, nesting is not even close. But for the woman... There seems to be this desire to make sure everything's right for when the child comes home. And Jesus uh, and God gave John the Baptist the opportunity to begin to make those preparations for his son. And I think that's interesting because, you know, Mary couldn't make a whole lot of preparations. Did you notice that? Because they were on the move and she did all she could and they ended up in a manger in a stable and Jesus was placed in a trough Um, manger makes it sound pretty and nice troth makes it sound like it really was and yet in that process God had already begun to make plans for his child to be born so that everything would happen in its right time and because of that you can be assured he's doing the same in your life so that you could begin to make preparations because he's coming back and see there are more preparations to be made you see those preparations were made at that time, for that moment, at that exact place. And God has put you in this moment, at this time, for the exact reason to begin to make plans and to make preparations for his return. Are you making those kind of preparations? Are you beginning to prepare for his return? In other words, are you taking your heart and turning it toward him? Or are you still heading the wrong direction? Are you turning your heart towards others and offering them forgiveness? Are you celebrating what he's doing so that the world can see that there is a chance for peace even in this world? What's that song? Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with who? Oh, with you. Good. Not with me. Oh, no, that meant me too, didn't it? Yes. So we have an opportunity to speak, to speak through our celebrations of Christmas, to speak, to speak peace through our celebrations of Christmas, to speak peace through our right relationships with each other, to seek peace in our trusting God that at just the right time, he'll do what he's calling, what he wants to do, which is what's best for us. Can you speak peace today? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for a chance to share together around your word. Help us to celebrate you. Help us, Lord Jesus, through this Christmas time to to be people of joy. May those who we meet, uh, whether it be in the store or in the neighborhood or um, wherever we might be making preparations for our Christmas, may it be a place where we could share your peace and your joy. And Lord, we pray that also you'd be with us in our relationships with one another and with you, that we would make the choices, the choices to put you first, the choices to turn toward you, the choices to receive your forgiveness and to share that forgiveness with others. 
that our world might begin to see what peace is really all about. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.